79% of people who come to your website or whatever it is that you put out that they're looking at, they scan rather than read. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, The Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 93. And my guest today is Ted Janis. And Ted knows a lot about marketing. And our conversation centers around ways that you can set your firm or organization apart from your competition. We discuss ways of having your clients and prospects spend more time on your website, along with raising your level of authority to be perceived as the expert in your field. He provides you with ideas now so you can begin implementing quickly and drive more business. Before we get to the interview, I need to ask you, my audience, a favor. I want to learn more about you so I can tailor the guest to meet your needs. I've created a quick five-question survey to help me know you better. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode at petermargaritas.com backslash EP hyphen 93, or look on iTunes in your mobile device into the episode notes, and you'll see the link there. I would appreciate if you take a moment and provide me with this valuable information. Thank you. Now, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome, everybody, and oh my God, are you in for a treat today. Today, my guest is Ted Janis, the man who spells his last name, not with an S, but with a Z, and he's not born because of the Zs. He is a marketing guru in my mind, and I I know Ted from back uh, uh, through our relationship at the NSA Ohio chapter, and I tell you what, this guy has got so many great ideas. Latch on to him, buckle up, here we go, Ted Thank you so very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to spend some time talking with me today. Thank you, Peter. It's an honor to be here. Ted, um, why don't you just kind of give the audience a little taste of your background before we get into our conversation so they get to know you just a little bit better. Okay. Uh, Well, I got a marketing degree, an MBA at the University of Pittsburgh. And for the last uh, 15 years ago, like you, I've been a, a public speaker and I've done 750 full-day presentations in uh, 49 of the 50 United States and in Canada from Halifax to Vancouver, also in Australia and Puerto Rico. Nice. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the day, mm-hmm. weren't you a, a, a DJ at one point in your career? Yes. Best job I've ever had, Peter. Uh, My wife and I used to be mobile DJs for weddings and parties. We did uh, over 400 events. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I did a little. I did a little digging, found found the information out about you, and I went. I, that explains the the whole. I'm shocked. 
<laughs> you have that great, you are an entertainer. When, when, I, when, when you present and talk to us, there's this entertainment value there that engages our chapter. And I can imagine I've never been on the road with you. We've met each other in an airport once in Atlanta, but I can imagine right. with that energy and that entertainment background, that DJ, man, you, you just rock it. Well, I have to tell you, though, the very first time that my wife and I went out and did this together, she heard a sound on the PA system. And she turned around and she said to herself, who is that? Is that my husband? <laughs> yeah, that was my voice. <laughs> so so you've, got that, you've got that great radio kind of DJ voice and you've been able to you use it in, did you say 700, over 750 all-day presentations? Yes, yes. Although I have another story to tell you about my wife. She was in the audience once, Peter, and you know how we have these bios that the introducer reads. And uh, spouses have the way of keeping us pretty humble. So uh, she came up to me and she said, you know, after listening to you about your bio, I know now not to believe all those other bios from all those other speakers I go to hear either. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my, my mother, I told her once how much I was charging. She said, you want them to pay you that much for an hour? What do you have to say that's worth that much? Thanks, mom. <laughs> love, love, love the support there. <laughs> Appreciate it. I pay you that much to keep quiet. <laughs> I wish she would. So <laughs> you bring to the table a, 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 Tremendous outlook as it relates to marketing. I was with your background and your current business, right. and, and I, I know uh, uh, that the style and the way we market businesses today differ than what we did even ten years ago. Blows away thirty. Well, at least it should. Very good point because there's some people right. out there that are still marketing ten, fifteen years ago. Right. So what? What's what's your number go to marketing vehicle? that brings you the biggest bang for the buck? Okay. Well, first of all, Peter, of course, everybody has to have a website. That's like your modern business card. Uh, you can't exist now without a website. That goes without saying. However, things have changed on websites, or at least they should have changed. First of all, people don't read information on the internet. 79% of people who come to your website or whatever it is that you put out that you're, they're looking at they scan rather than read. So how long do they, how, what's the length of time they scan? Um, according to Microsoft, the average viewer has an attention span of less than a goldfish, about eight seconds. So your website has to grab them right away, else they're onto one of your competitors' sites. I'm sorry, what did you just say? Your website has to <laughs> grab them within that, those eight seconds. Else they're on to one of your competitors' websites. Right. So, so you I've, have to give them something entertaining and engaging to keep them occupied. Yeah. So I was being, I was doing, playing the role of the goldfish there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but but feel free to do this any time. That's fine. I'll I'll try and and talk in seven second sound bites, Peter. <laughs> but but that's tough. I mean, seven seconds. So that's just almost a couple of blinks. So you've got to capture their attention immediately on your website. Right. That's why you minimize the amount of text, have lots of images, and especially videos. 
Yes, uh, we redid my website a couple years ago, and, and I went out to some NSA speakers and said, "Give me some feedback." And everybody said, "We love your website. It's too corporate." Yes. I mean, what do you mean? Nobody's going to read this stuff. Exactly. Bring it alive. Do some different things. So now there's a picture. There's me. There's some text there. Big font. There's some video there, and just some stuff to get them interested to start looking. Right. Yes, I've seen some speakers' websites, Peter, where it looks like it could have come from IBM. There's just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. And as we said earlier, possibly the only person who's going to read that is going to be your mom. Right. <laughs> Not my mom. She she, she <laughs> read my own website. She won't even read your stuff. Right. right. So, so to that point, and, and thinking about some financial planners, uh, financial professionals, CPAs, their websites, uh, are, are pretty content driven, and you know, with this knowledge, you know, I believe that one to stay up with or or be ahead of your competition or make yourself looking different, you need to transform that website. That's the first thing people see, and if it looks like an accounting website or a financial planner website, it needs to change. It needs yes. to have some excitement there. Yes. Yes. Uh, just as a side note, I was speaking to a group of CPAs and one particular audience member came up to me and he said, will you take a look at our marketing materials? He was really excited about this new collateral that they had developed. And I could see they also had spent a lot of money on it. And I'm looking through it, Peter. And first of all, it's talking about the partners, where they went to school, what degrees they have, what awards they had won, what they'd done in the community. And I handed it back to the CPA and I said, nobody cares. They only care about one thing. What can you do for me? How have you been able to help people like me? That's what I want to find out. In fact, marketing guru Dan Kennedy said the number one marketing mistake most small businesses make, including financial planners and CPAs, is they don't get and use testimonials. Sure, you say you're great. I expect you to say you're great. But who else says so? Is it somebody I know? Is it somebody I is it somebody in the community whose opinion I value? That's going to be worth far more, Peter, than our own marketing offer. That's true. I we, we all and so there's a double edged sword. Of this so and I've heard about this. I, I've heard that there's some people will put a testimonial on their website or a reference, or however they refer to it, and it's fake. Versus, oh. I heard a lot of a lot of people are asking to have it put on letterhead and have it written, and I have found a lot of times when I've asked for that, uh, a lot of times I don't get it, and I'm I, I think a, a way to do this that serves both purposes and something I'm going to move to is get a video testimonial. Oh, yes. video, and we haven't we haven't talked about video yet, but uh, video is one of the big marketing trends in social media for 2018. There's two big trends that are emerging. One is video. The other one is influencer marketing. And by that, I mean, think of Kim Kardashian. If you could get her to sponsor, and of course, most CPAs and financial planners would not be in the market for getting Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. But if you could get a celebrity like that to endorse your product or service, that is, especially on social media, that is golden. Right. Uh, so, so the second thing is video. 
In the book Made to Stick, brothers Chip and Dan Heath, one's a professor at Stanford, the other one at Duke, they took a look at marketing campaigns to see which were sticky, uh, the ones that really had an impact. And they boiled it down to six factors, Peter. And the acronym is success without the last S. Uh, the first thing is your marketing campaign has to be simple. You can't present 10 things, you know, just, just one main point you want to make. Secondly, do something unexpected. And I know if you're selling industrial screws, that's a little tough to do, but see what you can do. To, because why do we like jokes? Because the story's going one way and all of a sudden the punchline takes us off to the side and we laugh. And that's why it's memorable. That's why we like jokes because there's something unexpected. The next C is make it concrete, very easy for people to grasp the idea. Uh, the next C is uh, credible. Why are you the trusted authority? Why should I believe you? Why should you be my CPA or financial planner? But the last two components of success, Peter, I believe are the most important. The E stands for emotional. Make something emotional. And then lastly, do it in the form of a story. So if you have a video testimonial where somebody can see how pleased your customer is, how excited they are, how ecstatic uh, they are as a result of your interaction with them, uh, that's going to be far more impactful than you know reading a bunch of words on letterhead. Yeah, because you can't get... You, it, it's hard to see the emotion when you're reading it on, on letterhead. Yes. But if you can get them to uh, record it, and I'm thinking that you know if, if you're at a client and they're really happy with your service, take out your phone. So you, exactly. Just a two-minute... Tell us what we did to help you. Bingo. And then we put it on our website after we have gotten rid of all the corporate text and stuff and, and, and kind of brought it to life a bit. Right. You will stand out from everybody else. And, and I just want to go back for a second. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about, you know, the, the, showed you the collateral material and they said, well, like nobody cares because you're talking about partners and so on and right. so forth. All you're doing, all you're doing is spewing data. Data does not spur decision making. No, there's no emotional connection there. No, there's no, there's no buying power there. When you create an emotion, then you get people to buy. And and I was doing a, I was doing a workshop last year with a a group of small CPA firms, and I was there for a day and a half. And and I started off as just tell me about your firm, and all of them did the same thing. And at the end, I said. I'm sorry, guys. I, like, I don't really care. You're not moving right. me to do anything, but please let the check clear. Right. And <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I said, over the next day, we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to come back and, and, and rework that on the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and this one gentleman, I said, so now tell me about your firm. He says, well, I can tell you why I, I, I started my financial planning firm. He said, one day I get a call from this lady client's wife telling me that he had passed and she had no idea what to do. And he said, he, he said, hold on. He dropped everything immediately, went over and spent the rest of the afternoon and the next day with her to get her comfortable, to make sure she understood where everything was, to make sure, uh, sure she understood that she's going to be okay. I wow. said, man, that's, that is what you're about. There's that emotional driving point. And obviously he, he expanded a little bit, but to your point of now you stand out. Now, wow, yes. that, that, that pulls you in. Right, right. Tell an emotional story like that that will stick. And, but sometimes it's hard. Yes, it is. It's a lot easier just to give data. 
Right. But we want to grow our businesses. We want, we want to attract great prospects. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want to, even in that storytelling, we want our organizations to grow and you want to attract the best and the brightest. You want to attract you know, any more just facts, figures, number of partners, been in business for this long. Doesn't do it. Nope. Nope. So they video. So so video. How other ways could these organizations use video in in order to market themselves? Sure. Uh, besides videos of satisfied customers, besides the video testimonials, you could also Peter show members of your staff as real people. Uh, show them in the community. Uh, who are these people that you're dealing with? They're not cogs in a machine. Or you could create how-to videos. Uh, Mm. I'm thinking um, how to file an amended return or something that would be of interest to your client. The key there is to always present it from the, whatever you do, whatever you do, you always have to present it from the client's perspective, not your own. How, How are they going to benefit? What's in it for them? Why should they care? So anytime you put together any type of marketing material, always have your client in mind. But a lot of times we don't. And I'm, yeah. guilty, of the, I'm guilty of this as so well. We, we, we talk about ourselves because we know ourselves. And unfortunately, in many cases, we don't understand our customer. So we talk about ourselves. But again, they don't care. So they shut us out. So how, I mean, how can we better research our customer? I mean, it sounds like a question that should be easy to answer, but many of us don't do it. Right. Just take the time, like you mentioned, the, 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 was it the financial planner, the CPA, yeah. who just went and sat with the customer and assured her everything was going to be okay? You have to be willing to invest some time to get to know your customers. Uh, and, and people will see that. If you're genuine and authentic, the, the nice thing about that, Peter, is the best form of marketing is word of mouth. The average person knows 400 people. Uh, people you went to school with, people you work with, people you know socially. And if you assume each of those 400 people know 400, of course, there'd be some overlap, but just to keep it simple, you now have an immediate network of 160,000 people. And if you assume each of those 160,000 people know 400 others, you're up to one third of the U.S. adult population. And what are people more likely to spread about your firm, good news or bad news? Hopefully good news, but you know, if you do something wrong, that's, that's like wildfire. Yes, you're exactly right, Peter. Your average satisfied client will tell five to eight others. Your average upset client, if you have any, will tell 10 to 16. One in five will tell 20 people how upset you have made them. And now with social media, it's just so much easier. But it's so important that we, we satisfy our customers. In fact, taking this a step further, if you take a look at why firms lose customers, 1% of the time, it's because customers die. Although one attendee at one of my seminars said she worked at a nursing home, her figures were a little different. <laughs> 3% of the time, it's because they move away. Again, really not under our control. 5% of the time, it's because a friend or relative told them to go switch to another CPA or, or financial planning firm. Of course, why aren't they getting their friends and relatives to come to us? 9% of the time, it's because a, a competitor suggested that uh, they take their business elsewhere, so they do. of the time is because we tick them off, so they leave. The surprising thing is how many CPAs and financial firms give up without a fight because they don't realize it's five to six times more expensive to get a new client than to keep an existing one satisfied. But Uh, the majority of cases, Peter, why do you think CPA firms and financial planners lose clients? They quit paying attention to them. Exactly. 
Right. They ignore their customers to death, so they go away. Uh, that's the, the number th- number one thing is that uh, they just don't appreciate their customers. And it's so important that we do this because, as we just said, our customers, bar none, are our best form of marketing. So as you were describing that, I just went back in my mind to one of the first episodes I did on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Episode, I believe it's episode three with Ed Mendelwitz, who's a partner at Witham Smith and Brown. And his quote was, and I'm butchering it, but, but we, spend, we, we bring these customers and we turn, turn these prospects into customers. But then we spend so much time bringing, trying to bring in new prospects. Right. We're not paying attention to our customers. And if we've paid more attention to our customers and, 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 and serve them, uh, you know, word of mouth marketing is a lot more powerful than the time and effort that you're out to trying to grab new customers. Right. We wouldn't have to worry about going out and getting those new customers. And I, I was listening on, uh, you know, we get that monthly uh, podcast from the National Speakers Association. The speaker was talking about how uh, there were offers to new customers that were far better than what he could get as an existing customer over the last 10 years. And he said, boy, that really shows me how they value loyal customers. And he left. Oh, Yeah, we have to make sure we're not doing that. We're giving introductory specials to people. And then, as you said, Peter, ignoring the people who could really bring us more business and the people who are bringing us business. In fact, just to take this a step further, Mark Cuban from the NBA Dallas Mavericks they did a survey and found out that the lifetime value of one of their season ticket holders is $300,000. So, you know, if it costs 50 bucks to keep a season ticket holder satisfied because there was some mistakes, so what? I mean, do they really want to risk that, that ongoing revenue by, by ticking off a loyal customer or client? No. Let's do two things here. One, let's take what you just said. But I would have t- put a twist on it. Okay. You said if, if whatever it costs, that $50 cost to, to maintain that customer, let's change that. If we invested $50 additional into that customer, what's that return on investment? Exactly. Us? There, there's a, and I've been on this crusade that we need, we need to get rid of the word cost and use investment because cost yes. has a negative con- uh connotation to it. Investment doesn't. That's growth. That's what it's going to bring us. And and in that mind, if we think about what if we just invested into our clients? What if we got to know them better? What if we... Now, we're not going to do it to all of them, but let's use the 80-20 rule. I want to find 20% of my customers who's bringing me 80% of my business. Well, let's let's take that a step further, Peter. What I would suggest is for those 20% that are your best clients... Form an advisory council. Get them together once a quarter, take them out to a dinner, country club, treat them fancy, and say something like this. Well, here's uh, what we were thinking of adding as new services, or here's the marketing collateral that we were thinking of putting out. What do you think? And you know, it doesn't matter what they say. The important thing is you want them to feel like they are part of your community, that they are special. You are appreciating them. And they'll go back and they'll tell. I mean, you know, like we said, these are the 20%. Uh, Seth Godin calls these sneezers. You know, if the average person knows 400, these people know 800. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll go around, they'll tell everybody, hey, the person you've got to see, when you need your taxes done, you got to go see Peter. There's no, you know, they'll just be evangelists for you. And it takes so little 
if you just recognize them once a quarter and you get them together with other sneezers, this is just a brilliant, inexpensive marketing plan that always works. Form an advisory uh, an advisory council of your best clients, the people who are really influential in your community and watch your business grow. Wow, that is... I, I fell out of my chair. I've never thought about it from just the way that you planted it. I, I'm actually thinking about it from, from a strategy that I'm going to use. I'm not going to talk about that right now, but I love that, I love that idea mm-hmm. uh, is to get on a, on a quarterly basis that investment into what, whatever dinner that it involves right. uh, will pay off tenfold. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Ten. Wow. Yeah. And here's another idea, Peter. It's called fusion marketing. Get together with somebody else in the community and market together. You could share databases, uh, you know, like complementary services. I'm thinking of, for instance, a, a like a veterinarian and a, a pet shop owner, or a, a a car wash owner and an auto dealership. Or I heard an example of where uh, a dress shop and a hair boutique got together, and the only you know each of them had a display for the other at their shops, and the only thing it cost them was the few minutes it took to. Uh, get together, but there's strength strength in numbers when you can team up with somebody and it can be a win-win-win and it's called fusion marketing. Wow. That's a great idea. That that is that and you know what as I'm listening to you, I'm going, it works for profit organizations, but mm-hmm. this these these strategies would also work for not for profit organizations sure. as well. Yes, because people who are likely to give to philanthropic organizations are likely to give to other philanthropic organizations. So why spend all your marketing dollars chasing people who are never going to give? Right. Go after the ones that, that will give, but you have to have that compelling emotional story. Exactly. In order for them to open their wallet. Right. Yeah. And obviously, it's not just philanthropic organizations. It's any business. Right. You have to have that compelling story. And the other thing, of course, is you have to have what's called a unique selling proposition or unique problem-solving proposition? Why should I choose you over any other CPA or financial service firm in my community? What makes you different? And again, it's not from your perspective, it's from mine. Right. What are your clients saying about you? Bingo. Right. How are they recognizing you? How are they, how are they communicating back? How, how are they treating staff? And, and yeah, but I, like I said, a lot of times we're just looking at the firm or the organization and neglecting to put ourselves in the shoes of our customer slash client. Right, right. Uh, so along those lines, let's go into the social media world. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on marketing on Facebook? Mm. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I've tried it. Uh, the nice thing about Facebook advertising is they know who you are, Peter. Uh, you've probably seen in your newsfeed ads that are specific to you that you would likely be interested in. So it seems less like spam. They're more valuable. So I see it from that perspective. Uh, and Facebook has provided me the numbers I was looking for. You know, they got me in front of the right eyeballs, but I just didn't see a conversion. So I like it from the standpoint that it's, it can be more targeted than any other medium you could possibly choose. But I just didn't get the results I was looking for. Other businesses may have, you know. Um, It's relatively inexpensive for what you get as opposed to 
you know, taking out an ad in a newspaper, if you can even find a newspaper these days, because it can go to a lot of people who aren't necessarily looking for a CPA or a financial planner. My experience is I just didn't get the results. So going back to uh, to our last chapter meeting with Kent Julian, he, he said that um, acronym TOMA, top of mind attitude. I believe that's awareness. Yeah. Awareness. Thank you. Top of mind awareness. Mm -hmm. And and when I look at Facebook, I I think that I think I'm not sure if I'm a really converting thing, but if I've got my right customers, clients in there and and they happen to, you know, go out on Facebook, they're going to see me. They're going to remember me. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like almost to to a point of of drip marketing. I'm I'm pushing content out. So I'm staying in front of them. Um, and, and then I hear a lot about you know the where, where the professionals go is LinkedIn, but I also look at LinkedIn the same way. I'm not sure we're converting any true business or converting any prospects into clients through LinkedIn. I, I I look at social media anymore. It's just staying that top of a mind awareness to those so they don't forget about us. Mm-hmm. Well, the other way I heard that Facebook ads will work is if you set up, as you said, like a drip campaign. In other words, uh, respond to get my 10 tips on estate planning. You know, So then you get them in the funnel and then you can work them through the various steps. I, I've not tried that. So it's possible that you could use email marketing or Facebook marketing for a campaign like that, but you've got to be all in on something like that. LinkedIn, I think a lot of people, Peter, still think of that as that's the place I place my online resume and I've just never really gone back there. You know, people don't spend anywhere near as much time on LinkedIn as they do on Facebook. And I know that LinkedIn ads are are very expensive. Uh, And from what I've read, LinkedIn ads uh, universally, according to my research, have have not worked. So even though the professionals are on LinkedIn, the people who have accounts there are wealthier, they're more educated, they also tend to be male, uh, for instance, and that might be your target market. They're just not spending a lot of time there uh, like they are on Facebook. I, I mean, Facebook, you get what, what, 1.3 billion people out there yes. at LinkedIn. And, but I, in, this, in this drip marketing campaign, we'll just use that terminology, mm-hmm. you said something about get the 10 tips on estate planning. So let's back that up one step. In order to have the 10 tips on, on, on estate planning, you have to have an article. Yeah, or a white paper. Or right? a white paper or, or a blog. Back that up again. You got to write. Right. Right. Right? That's right. Right. Okay. So outside, I mean, when I ask my audience, primarily a lot of them, primary financial uh, professionals about writing, their hands immediately go underneath their seat. Right. And I think back many years ago, mine would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. A- and if somebody would have told me 20 years ago today that I would have a book, working on a second book, writing you know, blogs and stuff almost on a weekly basis, I would have told them they were crazy, but someone told me, Content marketing. Yes, that's getting, the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting that authority marketing that really helps drive buying behavior. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's a very easy way to do that, Peter. If you go to your LinkedIn account, which again some people have not visited since they put their online resume up there, uh, there's a button in the upper right that says "Write an article." You can click on that, 
It'll give you a template. At the top, it looks for an image. You can get a royalty-free photograph from Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com, that you can insert at the top of your article. You put in a headline, and then either type or cut and paste from a Microsoft Word document an article. You hit the publish, publish button, and voila, that article will go out to all, I think, I think it's all, uh, anyway, it will appear in the news feeds of your connections on LinkedIn. Now, I have a rule that if somebody asks to be a connection of mine on LinkedIn, I'll always accept because I figure it's a business relationship. If I get a friend request from a half-naked female on <laughs> Facebook, I do not accept those. I'm very particular as to who my friends are on Facebook. But I figure if it's a business relationship on LinkedIn, yes, because who knows when I could help this person or this person may be able to help me. So I just by default, I have almost a thousand connections. And then that's where the benefit is. You publish an article and at least some of these connections will see your article. You show yourself as a trusted member of the community. Uh, a tip here, Peter, is when you write an article, make sure the first two words are how to mm. or something similar. Again, it has to be something in it for them. Uh, another tip is uh, to have numbers like the seven secrets to a successful audit or something like that, because then people will believe that they actually will learn something if I, if I read this article. So that's a very simple, easy, quick, free way to promote yourself using, as you said, content marketing. Exactly. And, and just for the point that for those of you who don't like to write, you write for a living because you write emails, you write memos, you write all these, this stuff. So take that knowledge and, and just brain dump into a document, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, whatever the topic is going to be, then go back and massage it, then go back and, and edit it. And I use this one program called Grammarly mm -hmm. that helps me with making sure that I'm at least part, most of the part grammatically correct in what I do. But I, anything I put out there as, as, as an article or as a blog, I have another set of eyes to, to review it. And it's well worth my investment to have an editor. And those of you who are within firms, there's somebody who's an excellent writer, or even within organizations, have them proofread what you can do before you send it out there. Um, and that does help raise your authority level. And um, it's like, like I said, it's, it's not easy, but it is simple and it is quick to go out to LinkedIn and start posting. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think, would you agree with this? A lot of people, we're going to do this. This is great. Yay, yay, yay. I posted six articles and I haven't got nothing. I'm quitting. It's not no, working. I mean, it's just like with podcasts. Most people quit after the seventh podcast, but it's in longevity that you see the payoff. I'm going to make writing an article even simpler for your audience, Peter. I know m most of them are not authors like you are. Uh, you're an author, but they, they may not be. I mean, they're in the numbers. That's why they do what they do. And thank goodness for that. All you need to do is take a, a typical question a client might ask. That's the Q. Mm -hmm. And for the A, for the answer, you write up 500 words because as we said, shorter the better. People don't have long attention spans and you're done. You know, somebody called you up and asked you a question. How can I survive an audit? I'm sure you could talk 500 words on that. Just write that down, put it on LinkedIn. There's your article. Boom. You're done. And anytime, anytime a client or customer asks you a question, that's a blog post. That's right. 
And then you have a link. You can use the link to that LinkedIn article on your Facebook page, on Twitter, on your website. Because ultimately what you want to do, Peter, is drive people back to your website, no matter what you're doing on social media, because that's where the interaction is actually going to happen. Exactly. You want you, you want them in your funnel, not somebody else's funnel. Correct. And just on a point about podcasts, I was told that, um, right, at seven podcasts, people usually give up. And I heard once you get around eight, 18 months, you begin to start seeing some things. And, and Ted, you're number 93. And I can't believe I've done 93 of these. Congratulations to you, Peter. And continue to do them because it, it is a great way of marketing yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, You start seeing these numbers come in and, and in different states, different countries and stuff. And it and there is an expense in doing this, but it's something well worth it. And I know a few accounting firms that have started their own podcast and very narrow, but they are reaching their customers as well as their potential prospects through um, through this vehicle. And it's 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 podcasts are continually gaining traction. People think they've been out there for a long time; they have been, but uh, they continue to grow and. From what I've been learning, that it may not be your baby boomers that are listening to it, but this is very popular with the millennial generation, who their oldest one in the millennial generation is now turning 35, 36 or something mm-hmm. like that. That's part of your audience out there. That's those are your who future you, clients. Those are your future clients. That's who you want to introduce yourself to. Correct. Any other wisdom as relates to marketing your business. Uh, we've talked about social media. We've talked about websites. We've talked about authority marketing. Talked about you know the ability to write. Is there anything else in your, in your marketing bag that you would like to share to help my audience uh, drive more business to their organizations? You were talking about your next generation of clients. And these are not your millennials, but your generation Z, Peter. These are the ones born after 1995. It's important that we don't think of them as many millennials. There are some significant differences. Uh, Whereas millennials were concerned with uh, self-actualization because Generation Z saw their parents struggle through the Great Recession. They understand that what they really want is financial security. So that's going to be important if you're a CPA or a financial planner. You can relate to that. Uh, They're also, I mean, um, the millennials are very comfortable with the internet. Generation Z are masters of the internet. They spend nine hours a day interacting with social media, not on one screen, but on five at one time. They suffer from something called FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is, Peter? Fear of missing out. Right, right. So you've got to be where the eyeballs of your new generation of clients are going to be. So it's important to get comfortable with social media. Yeah, that that's true. I, I have a... a... 17 year old son and and he's got three or four screens going i actually my uh goddaughter is doing a school project and she wanted to do it on my business and i was talking to her today i said you know i do a lot of marketing on, on social media i said do you have facebook she started laughing it's for so, old people peter she, she, yeah. <laughs> she goes no 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 i'm on instagram i'm on twitter and i'm on snapchat uh, okay. Um, but yeah, we, we can't forget about, and this is a fairly large generation that's coming into play. Right. Maybe not as large as millennials, but you know, those are future customers 
clients. Right. We have to start thinking about them and how we're going to bring them in. And, and the, the point that you made about screens also takes me down the path of how we teach in our professions that we need to engage them on screens in, in, in a variety of different ways and throw away the lecture method of getting yep. information across. It's got to be much more engaging and interacting yes. than, it, than ever before. Right. Right. So, uh, Ted, uh, once again, the conversations that we've had, you've exceeded expectations tremendously. Thank you, Peter. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, you've got such great ideas. You've got such great ideas that have helped our chapter and will continue to help our chapter grow and market. And I look forward to seeing you at our next uh, meeting here in March. And thanks again, man. I, I always enjoy our conversations. It's been an honor, Peter. Keep up the good work. I would like to thank Ted again for sharing his knowledge of marketing to help you grow your businesses. One of my biggest takeaways is when writing an article to post on LinkedIn, make sure the title focuses on your audience's needs and contains a number. For example, three ways to increase your prospects through authority marketing. In episode 94, I interviewed Chris Lair, who is the studio marketing manager at the Ohio Bar Association. Thank you for listening, and always remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate and market to your clients and prospects. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.